Father, we ask you that you would now shut each and every one of us in with your own good self. That thy spirit would have free course to speak to every heart and person in their car at this drive-in. We pray, O God, that your spirit would move upon those, Lord, that know not your Son as their Savior. Waken them and quicken them according to thy word and call them to the cross and let them behold, enable them to see the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, which takes away their sin. And Lord, give them deciding grace. And Lord, give them the ability to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Help us to see, Lord, even as your children and you and afresh, the loveliness of Christ, the loveliness of your Son, and all that he has done for us at Calvary's tree. To that end, Father, we ask you now, Lord, that you would continue to bless, to move and to speak, and to deal and to convict in whatever way you deem fit. Lord, have thine own way. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. For it's in his name we come and we ask these things, giving you thanks. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells us in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He tells us what this gospel does and what it is. It is the power of God. So this evening as we read the scriptures and as we preach the word of God, this is the power of God. That's what it is and what it does. It saves. It's salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, you and I need to be saved because we are sinners. And the only way we can know how is by the Spirit of God taking his own word and winging it to a quickened breast, to an illuminated heart, to a regenerated spirit and soul, enabling us to see the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in all of his saving splendor and all of his wonder. I trust this evening that we will say, every one of us as believers, as Christians, that I am not ashamed of the gospel. I trust when you go home, believer, you'll not be ashamed of the gospel among your family. You'll not be ashamed of the gospel among your friends, nor ashamed of the gospel among your work colleagues, nor ashamed of the gospel of Christ among all who you would meet in society and throughout our land. But rather you would be the man and the woman who would proclaim the gospel of Christ and tell that man and tell that woman of their need of a Savior, praying that the Holy Ghost would move upon them and show them their need of Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone that believeth. And then he says in the next verse, For therein 
is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Paul goes to tell us that righteousness is only found in God. That the only one righteous is God himself. For even the word of God tells us, for there is none righteous. No, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and missed the mark is the meaning. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you, my friend. That means me. That means all of us. There's nothing within us to reach nor to attain His glory. There's nothing in us nor can come from us that would enable us to be worthy that we may attain His heaven. But rather God Himself must come down. God Himself is righteous and so God Himself must find a just and righteous way in order to save us and yet to meet the demands that sin must be paid for. Justice must be meted. Justice must be carried out. It's not swept under the carpet, you know. Your sin and my sin is not swept under the carpet. It's not, oh, well, we'll just forget about it for this one or for this time. But rather, sin must be paid for. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's your gospel this evening. There's your good news this evening. The wages of your sin will bring forth death. That death being eternal death and eternal punishment away from God. And you will be found at the lake of fire spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. If you are outside of Christ, if you are unsaved, if you have never come to the foot of the cross to repent of your sin and to turn again on the Christ, then you'll find yourself sadly, tragically, but eternally separate from God and from his heaven. Friend, I trust that will not be you this evening. That will not be you. Notice Paul writes in verse 17, for the, therein is the righteousness of God revealed. What Paul is saying to us is this, that therein that righteousness is revealed in the life that is changed. To the man who's claiming to know Christ as Savior, to the woman who professes to know him as Lord, to those who have said they have come to the foot of the cross, in repentance, and to those who say, Jesus, 
is their Savior. Can I ask you something? Is the righteousness of God revealed in your life? Is the righteousness of God revealed in your life as you walk with him from faith unto faith? Or do your work colleagues look and see someone who's willing to cheat? Someone who has a mouth on them like a sailor out on leave? Someone who has a mind on them like a corrupted sewer pipe? What does your life show, friend? Christian, what does your life reveal of the righteousness of God in your life? Are you the one who loves to tell the dirty jokes? Are you the one that gets angry at the wrong people at the wrong time? Are you the one with the uncontrollable temper Showing not the fruit of the Spirit. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As we walk, we see someone who has come to a saving faith and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That man and that woman who have done so. Listen, they're not perfect but they show the righteousness of God in their life. They've been to Calvary. They're under the blood. They strive to live for Christ. They strive to do better. They strive to live right, to talk right, to walk right, and to show the righteousness of God that was imputed Unto them at Calvary, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord. And they glorify him by their walk, by their talk. Christian, maybe we need at times to examine our own selves. To examine our own hearts. That we, although in this life we will never be sinless but that we in this life could sin less to the glory of God the Father. Pray here that the Spirit is speaking to our hearts. Notice the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I'm sure every blood-washed, born-again child of God knows those words. The just shall live by faith. Six words. I'm sure we all know it. We're well aware of it. What does it mean? What does it mean for you who you're not saved and you're trying to work your way to heaven? Well, your works, as the Bible says, are as filthy rags before the Lord. They mean absolutely nothing in his sight and they will account to nothing when you stand before him the just shall live by faith in 1513 there was an Augustinian monk called Martin Luther he started teaching in 1513 in the University of Wittenberg 
And he was a new professor of theology in there at Wittenberg. And he started a series on the Psalms, looking at the law of God and the poetic words of David and the psalmists throughout the Psalms. He then later into 1514, 1516, he then started to go into the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Started looking at the books of Paul, the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Titus and Philemon, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st and 2nd Timothy and possibly the book of Hebrews. So he starts to look at these and he realizes a theme throughout three of the books of Paul's writings of the New Testament. And he said his own words. He called it a Damascus Road Experience. He said it was like a high, strong tower in his soul when he realized that the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther, 1517, throughout the scriptures, started to look in new light. New light birthed in him, he says, by the Holy Spirit of God. And there, by the Holy Ghost, he sees in the scriptures, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In other words, the justified shall live by faith. Those who are just as if they had never sinned are living by faith. Let me put it like this for you. Every one of us has broken the law of God. And every one of us are sinners before the Lord. Every one of us are guilty as charged. And every one of us who will stand before God outside of Christ would be lost. And in this life, in our daily living, we are on what the Bible calls the broad road to destruction. Eventually, standing before Christ, should he call or should he come? And how he finds us is what will make the difference on that day for each and every one of us. Men and women have been trying to reach the lofty heights of righteousness. Men and women have been trying to get themselves better. Willpower. Monks have went and taken the whips and whipped their back to the blood would flow. Wearing a, a potato sack, hairy shirt to show how sorry they were for their sins. Taking a pilgrimage, pilgrimage to up certain mountains barefoot, the blood coming from their feet, breaking their toes, walking in agony, trying to be pious, showing themselves and to all others around them as they go up the mountains 
and to their altars on hand and foot, on bended knee, there calloused, calloused with past pilgrimage, trying to make it right with God, trying to be right with God, saying liturgies, and having all manner of ritual and ceremony and pomp and fanfare as if God is in it all, as if it's to the glory of God, as if this is all God's doing. They work arms and deeds. They try their best. And they're very sincere. But their best is never enough. And their sincerity is insincerely wrong. And so we find that Martin Luther was such a man who thought he would get to glory, who thought he would be welcomed to heaven by his own deeds. Reading the scriptures with the illumination of the Holy Spirit of God, Martin Luther found the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 1 and in verse 18. He would then read on throughout the books of Paul and he would find in Galatians 3 and 11 it written again, the just shall live by faith. And then he would get to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 38. And there again he would say that he would read under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the just shall live by faith. In other words, all of the works and the pilgrimage and the alms and the deeds and the personage and the goodness of man and all that he can amount to is nothing added up to a row of beans in the eyes of God but our filthy rags in his sight. Martin Luther doing all of this. He is a, a professor in the university. He is an Augustinian monk thinking he's giving his life to Christ. And all of this behind him he realizes he is still lost and without Christ. But the just, the justified, those who are just as if they've never sinned, that is, they are justified by imputed righteousness of God when they came to the cross of Christ, trusting in the blood of Christ, trusting in the finished work of Christ, meaning that when Jesus died on the cross, when he died writhing in agony, taking our sin and our shame and bearing it away in his own body on the tree, that when we come to him in repentance and faith that is birthed by God, regenerate of the Holy Spirit, there he enables us to behold the Lamb of God. And there we in repentance, turning away from our sin, from our life, from our good works, and trusting 
only, solely, completely, uniquely on the blood of Jesus and what he done on Calvary's cross. Therein is a man and a woman justified in the sight of the Father. The righteousness of God is found in the person of the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. He takes our sin. We take his righteousness. Oh, a great transaction has been made. The day I knelt at Calvary and cried for mercy for the blood of the Lamb to cleanse me. And friend, tonight, you can experience the same. And you can find that you're a sinner, deep dyed in the wool, a sinner. But you can find with that interest that's burning in you, with that interest that's turning in you, that interest is drawing you, is from God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and He's showing you your need of a Savior, and He's showing you that you are but a sinner. Friend, I have a great sin, you might say, and that may be true. The night I came to Christ, I had many, many, many great sins. Ones I'm deeply ashamed of. Ones I thought I'd never be forgiven of. But the power of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ still avails this very day. And when I came to the cross, the great transaction was, he took my sin and my sorrows and he made them his very own. Oh, he bore the burden to Calvary and he suffered and died alone. And there he took my sin and there he gave me his righteousness. Oh, it's hard to believe this fallible human being in the eyes of God found in Christ he sees me righteous he declares me not guilty how would God see you right now and how would God declare you believe it or not the just shall live by faith it is mentioned in four verses of the scripture the three we have mentioned, Romans 1, Galatians 3, Hebrews 10, but is also mentioned in the Old Testament one time in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Listen to what it says. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. I need you to grasp hold of this a moment. Behold his soul. That's the real you. The real man. The real woman. The, the person inside that no one else truly knows. But you and God. The seat and the heart of affections. Behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright. You know the words here for lifted up. <clears throat> it's a word presumption. To be bold 
or to swell or puff up. And here Habakkuk, the Lord says through the prophet, Behold his soul, which is presumptuous. Am I speaking to a presumptuous soul? You presume God would love and love you right into heaven, even in your sin. You presumed that you're going to be there because you went to such and such a denomination and you were confirmed as a child or christened as a baby or whatever. The presumption of the soul is lifted up. It's man thinking I can attain. It's woman puffed up before God rather than saying I am a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, people don't like, especially today, to be called a sinner. They like to call sin mistakes. It's not a mistake. It's sin. A man and a woman must see themselves and get to this point. Behold a soul which is lifted up, which is presumptuous or bold, swelled up, swollen up before God, is not upright in him. The term upright means agreeable. Strange, isn't it? Agreeable, pleasing, or straight. It means the man and woman who say, I'm all right, I don't need Christ, I don't need saved, I'm not a bad person. It says your soul is puffed up. The real you is presumptuous and you're not agreeable with God. You're not agreeable with God. Strange because here we have souls are not agreeable with what God says in his word about the soul. The soul says, I don't need you. God says, yes, you do. You're a sinner. Notice here, it could be a man, a woman, a young person, plenty of time, you're presuming. I've never heard this before, I need time, you're presuming. And so we find, it says, the just shall live by faith, Habakkuk 2 and 4, the justified shall live by faith. Paul says in Romans 1 and 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Do you know what one writer says that this would mean? It gives the idea of someone as righteous because of God's righteousness. It means the state of him who is as he ought to be. The state of him, the state of her, who is as he or she ought to be. Are you what you ought to be? Are you righteous because you're in Christ tonight? For the just shall live by faith, believing Jesus paid it all. Believing Jesus paid the debt. Believing Jesus' blood is more than enough to cleanse you from your sin. And by that alone, accepting what he hath done for you. In Galatians 3 and 11, I'm coming to a close. 
Paul writes, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. No man, no woman is justified by the law. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. In fact, in uh, Psalm 19, verse 7, the psalmist tells us, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the law, Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The law is perfect. God's moral law is perfect. Where the weakness is, is in our flesh. That we break the law. Hence we need a savior. Christ came and kept the law that we couldn't keep. Lived a life that we couldn't live. Died a death we should have died. And brought us into his kingdom. And notice here, Galatians 3 and 11. For that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Notice, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Here's man. Here's woman. Trying to keep the law. Trying to do the good works. And they're breaking it and failing it every day. It is evident in the middle. Here's your evidence. Then it's the just shall live by faith. Because Christ came and kept all the law of God. And died on the cross. That the unjust like me would trust in him and all he's done. That the unjust like me might be made righteous in Christ. He takes, as it were, the hand of his father. And he takes, as it were, the hand of the sinner. And there at the cross, he reconciles us back to God again. For it is evident that just shall live by faith. Friend, if you're saying, I need not Christ, and I'm a good person, I'm all right as I am, the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 9, 13, I am not come <clears throat> to call the righteous. That means self-righteous. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. Sinner, if you're hearing the call this evening, it's because he loves you. It's because he died for you. Because he came for you. To shed his blood for you. Now his spirit is calling you. That you won't be lost. That you won't be in a lake of fire. As said in Revelation chapter 20. But rather you would be saved and in his kingdom. I finish with this. In Hebrews 10 and verse 38 says. Now the just shall live by faith but. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The just shall live by faith, the justified, those declared righteous in Christ. You see, the book of Hebrews was written because uh, those who were professing, they were saying they were, they were believers. Many of them weren't. Many of them had a new fad going on in Jerusalem because the Jews were right to try and stop this fanatical religion as they saw it. And so they were worried. They were afraid of persecution that was happening to the early Christians. And so these Hebrew believers, 
they started thinking about going back to the temple. Hence, the book of Hebrews was written to say, the temple is finished. The Lamb does not count anymore. It's all done away with. Christ is the Lamb of God, and he is the only way. Now, some of them were talking about going back. They were professing Christ. Many did not possess Christ. I have met many people, oh, they talk a good talk. They don't walk a good walk. They profess Christ, but they do not possess Christ. The Hebrew writer says, if any man draw back, the Lord says, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. I'm speaking to someone who's thinking of drawing back from the Lord. God finds no pleasure in that. God finds no pleasure in your backwardness, in your backslidings. In fact, God not only finds no pleasure, but God cannot be glorified in that life. I trust if it's even in your mind, you'll think again and again. And even if you've fallen away, you'll come back. You'll come back to the Savior. So I leave you with what it says in the four scriptures. The just shall live by faith. Martin Luther saw that. He says the Holy Ghost lit it up. Lit it up. Lit him up. And there he seen that Christ has paid it all. Of course, from that sprang forth the glorious Protestant Reformation. Friend, there's no one like the Lord. There's none like our Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust this evening that you will come to Christ if you're not saved. And come to know him. Don't leave this evening. I'm going to stand there again. In our church this morning, we were delighted to see some people who had been saved at this drive in the church this morning. They've been coming every morning. Some of them were baptized in the sea last week, six of them. Come and see us. We'll talk with you. Turkington's has provided a nice room for us to speak to you in if you want to see me about your soul's welfare. Don't be presumptuous tonight. For who knoweth what a day may bring forth. We don't. But God alone. God bless you all. And God bless his word. Father, would you continue to speak this evening? Would you continue to move in the hearts of men and women, we thank you for everyone you've brought here. And we know, Father, they're not brought here by accident, but in divine providence. And we pray, O oh God, that you would speak to their hearts. And Lord, when this man's voice is silent, may the voice of the Spirit and the Word continue in their ears and in their heart. 
to speak unto them. We thank you for Jesus, for the finished work of the cross at Calvary. And we ask you, Lord, that you would cover us anew and afresh in the precious blood of the Savior. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.